to the gift of the struggle, everyone. We are here with Echo Pickering. I'm so excited. I just met her actually last week. We're working on a committee together in um, Lower Alabama to do a needs assessment for the LGBTQ community. But her project specifically is something that is so cool and so needed and so forward thinking. So let me tell you a little bit about Igo. She is the founder of Monthly and the Monthly Project. Chosen as a 2021 Portal Fund recipient and named one of the women shaping the state for 2022 by This Is Alabama, she has leapt into the world of entrepreneurship. She has devoted the last year and a half to growing and realizing her vision for Monthly, her menstrual underwear social enterprise business. And the Monthly Project, a charity funding, uh, charity project that fights poverty, period poverty. Um, she comes from a humanities background, um, had to grow her knowledge of business and nonprofits. So she completed the Minority Business Development Program through South Alabama and now receives mentorship from the Innovation Portal here, the CBDC and other resources throughout the state. She also works as a communications coordinator for the Center for Fair Housing in Mobile. Um, she also continues to utilize the resources and opportunities of the startups ecosystem in Alabama to push her projects forward. Outside of work, she loves cooking, traveling, reading, being in the gym, and days in the sun. She is also passionate about sustainability and sustainable fashion. So I, go, I skipped the part about um, you coming out of college during the pandemic because I kind of wanted you to give that background information yourself because your path has not been as a straight line. It never is. But yeah. I think the pandemic throws a big wrench, especially my children are your age, and they have all experienced sort of a more zigzagged path than they'd imagined for themselves. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about that and how that launched you into what you're doing now? Yeah, definitely. So I graduated from Spring Hill College in December of 2019. So I got to miss the whole being in college during the pandemic thing. Mm -hmm. um, but my partner lives in the UK uh, and I immediately moved to the UK. So like December of 2020, I was in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it was like two months later that COVID hit. Um, and when I was in the UK, I really had this idea of how my life was going to go. I wanted to get a public policy master's degree and work in policy and that sort of thing. Um, and I applied for um, a, a degree in, at, from the University of Oxford. Um, and they told me to get some real world experience and come back. Uh, so <laughs> I attempted to get some real world experience, then COVID hit and I moved back home to Mobile, um, which I was not expecting that I was going to have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of threw me for a loop. I was applying for tons of jobs. Uh, my degree is in English and sociology with a minor in gender studies. So mm -hmm. it was really, really hard during the pandemic for humanities uh, degrees specifically, I think, because there was like six and 700 applications for some jobs that I, I was applying to in like New York, DC. And there just isn't a huge amount of jobs in Alabama for humanities graduates. Yeah. So I have the same, I have an English degree also with a minor in dance, you know, I mean, so yeah. th those are never easier. I think they're getting easier though generationally as we go forward because there is a need for writers and thinkers um, with the internet exploding and everybody having access to so many different things. I hope that it's getting better, but yeah. that led you into creating something for yourself, didn't it? Yeah, it did. So I came home um, and it had, it 
it felt like I had been months since I worked. I actually always had a job since I was in high school. And then through college, I had like two and three jobs sometimes at, at a time. So I w- just wasn't used to it. And finally, I had enough. Um, after rejection and rejection, I was like, you know, if my perfect opportunity is not going to come right now, I'm just going to create my own perfect opportunity. And that's when I founded the monthly project. Uh, the monthly project, like you said, um, helps fight period poverty. And we do that through, we gain donations and we use those donations to buy period products and distribute them to local organizations that serve the populations that need them. Um, it really, it started off as a holiday project only that was just going to go through um, November and December. And we kept getting donations. So I was like, why stop? Um, and I really, really fell in love with it. Um, so well, I go, how did you think of it? Because this isn't something that everybody that when you're thinking of a give back project that's going to be for Christmas time or the end of the year or whatever, that's not necessarily the thing that comes to mind. So why did you focus on that particular subject or problem? Yeah, so there's a few different reasons. I was in an organization at Spring Hill that focused on um, menstrual education. Um, So I had that kind of in my background. Um, And then when I was in the UK and I was applying for jobs in the UK, I mean, there are organizations there that are fighting period poverty. And Scotland became, I think, one of the first countries to make period products more accessible. Um, And I just started to see, you know, we don't have that sort of uh, support in Mobile. And um, throughout Alabama, I think we we could use more support. And it was something that I wasn't seeing being done here. So I thought this would be a really great way to fill that gap. And also like someone, it's Christmas time and someone might be having to say, do I want to buy pads and tampons or do I want to buy my kids Christmas gifts or Christmas dinner or something like that and so just a way to kind of ease that burden especially let me ask you this because I think especially if you're a man um or if you're a woman of means you don't necessarily think about the barriers to access or making a choice like that between tampons and pads and a Christmas gift um, so to talk a little bit about the barriers, why is, why is it so hard? We, we know a little bit about the pink tax, right, mm-hmm. um, that women face. Talk a little bit about the experience of women, especially women who are struggling financially, to be able to support themselves and include that kind of self-care. Yeah, I mean, just right off the bat, menstrual products are extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. I think anybody that's been into a store knows that, you know, a box, if you want something that's not generic, I mean, that's going to cost about six, $7. And to some people, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the difference between being able to buy food for yourself. And that's a hard choice to make, right? If you start your period and you don't have money and you have to go to work, what do you do? If you have kids and you need to feed them, what do you do? If you have anywhere that you have to be, what do you do? You know, and a lot of these women or people that menstruate that can't access these products use things like the tops of baby diapers, newspaper, anything absorbent that they can find. And Mm -hmm. that is not healthy for Mm -hmm. their bodies. And we don't want anybody to have to sacrifice their dignity Well, I was going to say, not only is it not healthy physically, but emotionally, that's got to just be really difficult to navigate because, I mean, that's something that's so private and so personal to a lot of people. Most people don't get on a podcast and talk about menstrual products, um, especially younger people. Um, 
like when young teenage girls or whatever. And, and then you have a homeless population who mm -hmm. may need access to those. And you can't just, you know, if somebody gives you $6, you really are making the choice between food and a box of tampons. And that's if one box will get you through a month. And some yeah. of them aren't even that cheap, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And even through this journey, I found different populations that I hadn't really thought of. Um, like I, we work with fostering together Gulf coast, um, and they provide products to foster kids. And so we give them menstrual products to give out to them, to those children. So there's so many different groups that need these products, um, and need them at an affordable cost or free. Um, and so we're trying to kind of fill that gap because nobody should have to be forced to use products that aren't meant for that and everybody deserves to have dignity during that time of the month exactly now let's talk a little bit about the different populations that you're reaching because your garments uh, you also have the garments yes um, so you're you're filling in the gap trying to with your nonprofit, right to try mm -hmm. to fill in and provide those products for people but let's talk a little bit about the garments also because those are gender inclusive and yeah. explain to people who are less familiar with this kind of <clears throat> subject matter, what does that mean? And why are they a necessity right now? Yeah. So after I started the charity project, I was in, I wanted to be able to keep giving um, mm -hmm. and I needed to find a way to sustain that monetarily. And so that's when I came up with monthly, which is my menstrual underwear brand. Um, so what makes us unique is that we're gender inclusive, that we're sustainable, more affordable than other menstrual underwear you're going to see on the market. And a portion of all of our profits will be going back towards uh, communities in the South to help fight period poverty. Um, I always get asked this quite a lot because a lot of people really don't understand like why gender inclusive products are necessary. Yeah. And that's because trans and non-binary people exist and they have menstrual cycles. And so if someone is transmasculine, um, they may be on T, they may, uh, but they haven't um, had surgical transition yet. They mm -hmm. still will likely experience some sort of period or menstruation. Um, same for anybody that's non-binary. And when you go down the aisle in Target or Walmart, everything is pink. Everything says mm -hmm. for women. And that creates a lot of gender dysphoria for people that don't identify as a woman. Um, and so in my opinion, it's time to kind of revamp the way that we talk about menstruations and the products because we need to quit this historical overlook of this entire population of people uh, and start making products that are for all people. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the lack of education is one of the problems to overcoming uh, inclusion, you know, to getting that to be a thing that works and that people understand. And so when you talk about that, what kind of reaction have you gotten from the trans community? Because I imagine, uh, you know, usually the goal is for them to have the, the surgical transition as well, but that can take time, that can take money. We're also in the state of Alabama where they're criminalizing that for youth. So the barriers have become higher and higher which means that some of these people are gonna have the more and more delays for their, for their transitions and their ability to get treated and that kind of thing. So that actually makes your product even more important because we are in this sort of limbo period in our state and across the country. So what kind of reaction do you get from the trans community about these garments? And I saw them the other day, you had your samples and they are very accessible to all people. I think you had different styles um, different shapes, different fits. Um, so what, what are the trans people telling you about the, these products? 
So we just got our samples in, but I will say I have done a lot of research because I am a cis woman um, and I don't have that experience. So I've done everything that I possibly can to appropriately and authentically represent the needs that there are. So I did do a survey uh, that got nearly 200 responses. And I think 46% of those people were uh, identified as either, as either trans or non-binary, which I think is a huge amount. Mm -hmm. But the response has been really positive. I mean, I disseminated a lot of it over Reddit and I had and anonymously, like not as myself, just as monthly. Um, mm -hmm. And I had a lot of people say, thank you for just asking because mm -hmm. they're just left out of the conversation so much. And to me, I feel like this is doing the bare minimum <laughs> to like ask people what they need. Right. Um, yeah. So many people, especially when you're trying hard to make a difference. The biggest mistake I think people who try to make a difference is, is to assume what other people need or, or think or feel. And so the fact that you do ask the question, I think is a, a critical part of any kind of progress, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Because like any business, uh, whenever you're making a product, someone thinks of it and goes, oh, that would be great. And a lot of people pursue things without making sure that it fills a gap in the market and that wastes your own time and money and that wastes everybody else's time as well. So that was really important to me to make sure that I was actually listening to trans voices and non-binary voices. And I've also spoken with gender therapists and done one-on-one -on -one interviews with trans and non-binary non individuals just to make sure that I can fully understand the issue and how we can combat this and make sure that this brand is representative of all people. Right, and, it, and it's showing the respect of the humanity of each and every individual who would, who would buy this underwear. So let's talk a little bit about the logistics of how you got all this going because fresh out of college, trying to get real life, real world experience at the advice of, of, a, of a university, mm -hmm. And so you're not doing it the easy way, right? <laughs> you're, you're, you're starting from ground zero and learning it all yourself. So in terms of things like, how do you find someone to design these and how do you find someone to manufacture these? What kind of learning curve have you faced and where do you feel like you are right now in the process? Yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a long journey. I feel like um, as a humanities major, I don't, had no business knowledge when I started this. I don't like math. I'm not good at it. All of the things that would be barriers to me entering this sort of role were there. Uh, so I had to do a lot of work on the back end, just educating myself on what it even means to own a business mm -hmm. because it's not as like cut, cut and dry as you would think it would be. There are so many moving pieces, especially when you're like a solo entrepreneur and you don't have like a team yeah. behind you. But that's where the innovation portal came in and the minority business development program came in and really gave me the tools. And I'm really grateful that Mobile has those um, resources because without them, I would have had no idea where to start. Um, but they kind of got me in a place where I was making sure, you know, they're the ones that advise me, talk to people, don't mm -hmm. just make something talk to people, make sure right. that it's necessary. Um, so they kind of got the ball rolling, but making a garment product is like a whole different ball game than creating an app or, you know, something like that. So I sh really struggled in the beginning to find someone to help me make this product because I don't know how to do this. And I spent a lot of money in the wrong places. Yep, <laughs> and I we all do. And then we're learning. <laughs> yeah. But I ended up uh, just 
randomly stumbling on this company called the Do Good Factory mm-hmm. um, and reached out to them, had a meeting with their CEO, Tilly, and I just fell in love with the way that they do business. So they don't use single use plastic. All of the fabrics and stuff that they use are sustainable. And it was just like perfect fit. So they do the whole, they've done the whole design process. I just told them like, I want them to look like this. I want to try this fabric and this fabric. And they made the whole what you would call tech packs. And then they hooked me up with a a factory who then is going to make this product. So it was, I've done a lot of learning because this is just like out of the, out of the whole realm of like what my degree had anything to do with. Right. So when you got those samples, what last week, right? Mm -hmm. How did that feel to see them in your hands? It felt really amazing because I feel like it's been a long time. I started doing this like I guess January of last year. So it's been like a year and a half and a lot of life has happened in that year and a half. Yeah. Um, And like, you know, I lost my grandmother who I loved so dearly. And so there there was a lot of setbacks. Mm -hmm. So to, to, to get to this point where I actually have like a tangible product to put my hands on was just like a game changer. Like finally, like everything I've been doing it's here. I'm looking at it. It's not just a conversation I'm having with people. It's like in my hands. So did it inspire you all over again? Like re-energize, you know, doing that? Yeah. It definitely did. I was kind of in a slump, I would say like before, because like it was taking so long to just Mm -hmm. get things going and, you know, access to capital is like a huge thing, especially to make something like this. And so, yeah. You're an unknown as a, as a young woman in Alabama. You, you have no track record of, of building a business. So those yeah. are barriers already in place on top of the economy being all crazy in the pandemic. So how are you managing to fund? I know you've gotten some financial help, but I also know that you've got a campaign coming up. So tell us a little bit about where you are in the process and what your needs are to get this thing going. Yeah, so I was really lucky as I was chosen to be the portal fund winner. And then I won the pitch competition at the end of the minority business development program. So I had this like very the seed funding that I'm still going through. It's basically gotten me through, you know, ideation to this first minimal viable product that I have, this MVP that I have. Um, but there is some barriers to purchasing inventory. You know, most factories, you have to have like a thousand MOQs per style. And I've got two styles of a cheeky and a boxer brief. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, that adds up pretty fast. And so I'm looking to start a campaign, um, either a crowdfunding campaign or pre-order launch. I haven't decided yet, um, but that would help if anybody would be interested in pre-ordering, that would help us be able to purchase that initial inventory and kind of get the ball rolling because we have a lot of things that we want to do in the future. Um, and like what, what are some examples of things you're thinking about down the road? Yeah. So in the beginning, I had a lot of people tell me that they wanted, and this is just random, but like wanted a menstrual thong. And I was like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I was surprised. And then I started going to the gym and wearing leggings and I was like, now I wish why right this is (laughs) why and then um also like menstrual boxer briefs that have the ability to have a packer so Mm -hmm. for the trans community that wears packers they can you know comfortably menstruate and have their packer also Mm -hmm. um underwear that clasps on the side for people that are disabled and may Uh, have a range of of motion Mm -hmm. Uh, so we just want to continue to make products that 
are for everyone, <laughs> are everyone that has a menstrual cycle. And that's kind of in the, in, in our future, if we can continue to gain traction. Yeah, that is exciting. So what are, tell me what your, your like next 24 month goal is next five year goal. And then your ultimate goal, what are you, what are you looking for out of all of this? Oh, wow. I've never been asked this question before. <laughs> um, so I guess the 24 month goal would be that monthly is on the market mm-hmm. and competing with these top brands um, like Thinks and Nick's and changing the conversations and kind of pushing those other brands to take this responsibility as well. Um, and hopefully pushing like always and Tampax and those uh, providers as well to make the change and saying like gender inclusive products are necessary and people want them. Um, and to brand them accordingly so that they, so that a man can walk down an aisle and feel comfortable or a non-binary person. However, you know, Target has done a good job of starting to do much more gender inclusive um, marketing within their store and in their brand and, and making things accessible to people with disabilities. So I think those conversations are starting, um, but I don't know that they've started in this space nearly to the point where some of the other conversations have begun. Yeah. So let me ask you this about Alabama, because most of my kids don't want to stay here because of some of the backward laws that we have and and it doesn't seem to look like it's getting any better what is driving you to stay here run your company here and do this kind of work here because the reason you and i met was um at a at a meeting where we're trying to do a needs assessment for the community the lgbtq community to find out what the needs are how many people in the community live around here what what is it they're missing what is it that they're going through what are their experiences all in southwest alabama because without that we can't get social and political power to make, make positive change, right? So we're starting at that level. So you and I are both doing some of that work in the community. So tell me about being in Alabama and, and how you think you can make change and how you don't lose hope. Yeah, so I never in a million years thought that this would be my life today. I, I grew up in Alabama. I've lived in multiple cities across Alabama. Um, and growing up, I really didn't like being from here. I, I mean, as a person of color, a mixed person, sometimes I felt kind of like outcasted or weird. Um, and the experience was just very interesting. I'll put it that way. And so <laughs> I had always dreamed of like moving to California or New York city. And even after I graduated, you know, I left the moment I got the chance to go to England. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID hit, like I said, and I came back and, you know, I really, and I think COVID did this for a lot of people, but you go home and this is where your family is at. My mm-hmm. family is here. And while I don't know if I'll, all, I don't think I'll always live in Alabama. I know that I will always have some sort of presence in the state. And um, that's simply because from being home and being a part of the, doing the monthly project and doing monthly, the menstrual underwear, I've really started to see how much opportunity the state of Alabama has. That's my favorite thing is like, we might feel like we're taking tons of steps backwards all the time. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we are, Yeah. <laughs> but um, there is room for people and advocates to come together and change the way things are being done Mm. Um, and being on the ground and being in these groups I'm seeing other people that want change where before I felt like I was surrounded by people that didn't want change I'm now seeing like in numbers we have power and if everybody my age leaves 
if everybody that wants to make Alabama a better place leaves, there's no one here that's that's left to take on the fight. And so yeah. I'm I want that responsibility to to be that advocate for the state because these laws that are being passed, um, I think that is just an awesome triumph that like, okay, they can uh, ban gender affirming treatment for trans youth, but here's one of the first uh, gender inclusive underwear brands being mm -hmm. made in the state. Like, yeah. So they're actually seeing like this law does not make sense with the people in the state and exactly the, the things that are going on. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that generationally, um, you know, people my age or older have a harder time with some of these changes and some of these conversations. Um, so when my son came out, I have a gay son, when he came out, I was most fearful of the adults, our church and his lacrosse team. <laughs> um, our church lived up to my low expectations. Mm -hmm. um, and so we left that church. The lacrosse team did pretty well. They, they never balked. They, they were not, they didn't ask him to parties and things, but he was comfortable and safe on the team. So that mm -hmm. was something. Um, and the adults were the ones that were the hardest part, but in his school, he really didn't have any issues with the kids. Um, and I just think that's because the younger generations don't care. You know, you, they, they're more accepting of people for who they are. Mm -hmm. They don't mind differences. They're really not in the place where people I'm 51. So fifties and older, um, I find have a lot harder time with that. So I do think the youth is the hope they always are in every generation that we have. Right. And I think colleges are, are great places where there are a lot more open minds and we have quite a few of those in Alabama. So hopefully that's gonna make some kind of difference. Um, and I do think that it is important to have people stay and fight the fight. You shouldn't have to leave your family to feel safe and included. Yeah. And, and I don't need, you know, people talk about the word tolerance. I hate that word. I call it embracing. Like you should embrace all humans. It's not just tolerating them or including them. You can include and still not embrace. Mm -hmm. So I want that embracing of every human by every human. So I think that what you're doing is so important. So let's let's um, look at the whole big picture. So from the start of this, which was the struggle really um, with mm -hmm. the pandemic and school and finding a job and all those things to where you are now, what gifts have you gained by going through all of this that was not your original plan for your life? I feel like I've gained so many gifts because I'm so happy that I found my way to what my life is now. I could not imagine doing anything differently. Monthly is like my baby. I really want more than anything for it to succeed and make change and be amazing. But along that way, I've found community. I never had, I never felt like I had community in Mobile before, like joining the entrepreneurship network and being exposed to other organizations that wanted me to be a part of what they're doing. Or um, like recently I was asked to sit on a panel in Birmingham. Like, I feel like my voice matters. Yeah. And I, I think that's what I wanted since I was young. I just didn't know that it would be able to happen in Alabama, yeah. that people would be interested in what I had to say. Um, so that's been really amazing. And I think just finding value and like being authentically yourself and letting your journey be kind of zigzag and crazy because 
so many times I think, um, especially as like a first generation college student, you're really taught like you go to college and you get a good job and that's mm -hmm. the life that is for you. And yeah. that's how you become successful. Mm -hmm. And had I not, I guess, in a sense, failed at getting a job out of college. Through no fault of your own. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I would never have been able to explore other things. And I don't think that I personally don't think that I would have been happy like mm -hmm. in the roles that I was applying to. Uh, so I feel like I've gained a whole lot. I've also gained back some, some sort of like reconciliation with the state of Alabama and how I feel here. Um, I've gotten closer to my family and I've been, they've been very supportive of like everything that I'm doing. And even though they don't understand a lot of it, like they're mm -hmm. still really supportive. So and I've been able to help educate people on topics that are really important that nobody wants to talk about yeah. the, the unglamorous things. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the gifts have been endless. Um, and I'm really grateful that this is how my journey has gone so far. I think it's so exciting. And I love to see young people just making it happen. Um, since, since my kids are, are similar in ages to you, it's every single time one of them comes up with something, um, I get excited because it's just invigorating, you know, to see somebody turning, you know, lemons into lemonade, basically, to use a horrible cliche. <laughs> but I think we've all had to do that over the last couple of years. And a lot of us have had to really make it happen for ourselves because it's not going to happen without that. How can people help if they want to either contribute? Um, I know you haven't got your crowdfunding set up yet. And when you do, we will put that on the website and add it to the end of the video. Um, but how can people help you and get in touch with you? Yeah, so we are active on social media. So if you follow us on Instagram at shop.monthly is for the monthly menstrual underwear and at the dot monthly project is for the charity project. Um, any likes, follow, shares, any support that you can show is just really amazing. Um, we, I, I mean, and I'm always open to like talking. I love to talk about the products and learn, learn about other people's experiences. So just send us, send us a DM if you want to get in touch really. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're going to be launching the crowdfunding soon. And if you'd like to financially support, that will be amazing if you will pre-order underwear. And I think something that's really exciting is that we're going to launch a feature as well that like maybe even if you don't menstruate, but you really identify with the cause and the product, you can purchase menstrual underwear on behalf of somebody in need in the state of Alabama. And we'll go ahead and donate those once we Perfect. I was actually going to ask that very question. So I'm glad you beat me to it. I think that's a great, great way for people to get involved, particularly people who don't, who are not involved in the cause, but want to contribute in some way. It's very easy to buy a pair of underwear that someone else can can wear and benefit from mm -hmm. over and over great. again over and over again that's the best part it's not it's not disposable yeah it's reusable so, so. yeah that's that's so great so um one other one last question is um if someone wants to donate to your charity um how, what is the best way to do that yeah, so you can go to our website, which is themonthlyproject.org, and we have some donation options on our, I believe we have a donate page. So if you just scroll on over, uh, we have Cash App, PayPal, um, and a few other um, ways that you can donate. Perfect. All right, Aiko, we're going to be keeping in touch for sure. And as things come along, I'm going to have you back um, as often as you want to. I think this is such a great thing that you're doing. And thank you for um, 
for what you're doing, because as someone who has also felt a lack of community living in Alabama, um, it's just really great to get to know people like you who are doing the work to make a difference. Thank you. Thank you.